Good evening, everyone, and welcome to episode 12 of Piercing the Veil with me, Robin Pierce. And me, Stephen Pierce. How's it going, Steve? Great, how's it going? Not bad at all, not bad at all. We've kind of had a, a busy week. Yeah. Uh, we, we, we went back to the cinema. Oh, that was good. Oh, it was, wasn't it just for the first time in, what, about two weeks since we saw Spider-Man Far From yeah. Home for the third time yeah. uh, in the cinema, we went in to watch Hobbs and Shaw. And, you know, we've, Hobbs and Shaw feels like it's something that we've been waiting for for a long time because every time we've gone to the cinema, yeah, and, you know, by now anybody listening to this knows how, how often we go to the cinema, we've seen that trailer, the Hobbs and Shaw trailer. It appears that trailer has been going on now. It has to be for at least a couple of months. Oh, easy, easy. Um, I, I, that would be surprised it had been going on since about Easter. Yeah. And this is August. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it. I, I like the build up to the film by watching the trailer over and over, over and over. But I have a bad feeling. Okay. There's a disturbance in the force. And that is, when we saw Hobbs and Shaw, they've already started to show the trailer for Cats, which doesn't open until December. Oh, so we're going to have that now. Are we going to have four months of being plagued by anthropomorphic singing about their feelings? It may be a car wreck. But I think it's going to have its audience. I, I've said this before on an earlier episode. I think that the people who went to see The Great Showman yeah. and, you know, they're going to go and see it. Oh. Uh, we, we won't have to no. because we will be captivated with the likes of Star Wars, yeah. The Rise of Skywalker, and, of course, Jumanji Two, featuring Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which brings us neatly back to where yeah. we started from. See, see, yeah, we started to veer away, and then we came right back to it. We are professionals. We're getting good at this. So, Hobbs and Shaw, your impressions. The mic is yours, Steve Pierce. It's probably the most fun I've had in the cinema easily this year. Don't say that. Why? That was going to be my opening line. Well, it's true. Well, say something different. Well, I had an awful time. Okay. Why Why? why did you have a bad time? I didn't. You told me to say anything different. <sighs> he's, he's been like this for most of the day. Right. Go on. Your impressions of Hobbs and Shaw. Two. I absolutely loved the movie because it was. It seemed to be a version of Tango and Cash, but for. Don't say that. Why? Have you read my review online? Not yet. At Robin at www.robinpierce.co.uk. No. Because it sounds like you're reading from that. 
right here. Okay, carry on. Your impressions of Hobbs and Shaw, take three. All right. <laughs> All right. Seems like can't say anything else about it. No. What did What did you think of it? I loved the fact that it was it was a buddy cop movie. Yeah. It it was ridiculously far fetched. It was over the top. It was exactly the kind of summer movie it needed to be. I agree. You I didn't agree actually. The only thing you didn't need to do is it wasn't actually necessary to put Fast and Furious in front of it because it could sell itself on its own. And you don't need to have watched mm. any of the Fast and Furious films to instantly get what the because yeah. those films aren't even referenced. No. Um, for those who don't know, Hobbs and Shaw are two characters from the Fast and Furious franchise, which next year will see its ninth entry hitting the uh, cinema screens. And they've come a long way from being um, about a gang of racers who perform illegal yeah. street racing uh, on the night streets of LA and also um, commit a, some serious heist. Yeah, it's deep, a deep little heist. bit... No, it's not even a little bit. It, it takes liberally from the plot of Point Break, yeah. where you have a, an undercover, undercover cop join them and he, he goes native, yeah. he joins them, he sympathises with them. And over the succession of movies, they've become more and more and more far-fetched. And I think the far-fetchedness, if there is such a word, if there isn't, there is now, really went into overdrive. See what I did there? Yeah. See? Um, when Dwayne Johnson joined the cast, in number five, yes. as federal agent Luke Hobbs out to catch the criminals. It's the most serious he acts in any of the movies. I, I, I would disagree. Okay, because I think that the the closest he's come to acting was in Skyscraper last year. Oh, yeah. Um, where he was a security guard, yeah. uh, an amputee, who still managed to jump from a crane into a burning building, or was it out of a... No, into in the tip. burning building. Um, in that particular, particular action movie. Um, <laughs> what really made me laugh more than anything about Skyscraper was when you see the, the making of documentary, they appeared to be taking it Seriously, yeah. as a serious drama, a serious drama, and this guy should be a role model for yeah. amputees everywhere. We thought they were just so get out movie. of your wheelchairs and jump from cranes into skyscrapers because they're on fire. They can do it. Um, really, it was die hard by way of towering in Um, please don't take me seriously. If you are an amputee, do not fight them. Or any other means. Um, Hobbs and Shaw. 
Yes. Uh, this had a more fantastic science fictional element, superheroic maybe, because they certainly had a super villain <laughs> and in Brixton. And a had- cybernetically enhanced villain out to get this snowflake virus which melts people from the inside out. It makes a lot of sense seeing as the director is the same director that did Deadpool 2. Ah. And of course you've got the sparkling chemistry between The Rock and Jason Statham. Now he's an actor that I use the term actor very loosely with these guys. Very, very loosely. Um, I liked him in the Transporter. Yes, Transporter Two. That was that. That was all right. That was all right. Transporter Three. I mean, oh come on, that was fast. Then what did I see him in? Um, it was that film where he has to recharge his heart every so often. Crank. Yeah, Crank. I thought, this is ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. I, I didn't really take much to Statham until The Expendables. See, I didn't take to him in the first Expendables that much. It's like, oh, he's in it. Yeah, but I, I, I think he he was among so many other superstars yeah. that any shortcoming of his was instantly kind of forgotten. And then as The Expendables rolled on, uh, I, I began to kind of warm to him. But what really sealed the deal for me was last year's The Meg. Yes. Now, The Meg may be one of the most god-awful B-movies ever made with some of the worst, easiest yeah. lines. The Megalodon. Megalodon. <laughs> And um, we kind of got the joke instantly yeah. because we, a couple of summers previous to that, we'd seen San Andreas with Dwayne Johnson, and his his lines in it were agonizingly yeah. bad, and various stunts like the helicopter yeah. while you're descending into a chasm. Things that are aerodynamically impossible, and I, I, I was a little bit confused watching that because the film looks absolutely fantastic, and it was only when I saw it for the second time that I got the notion it's a B movie that knows it's a B movie yeah. that's basically got its tongue in its cheek, only it's got a big A-movie budget and A-movie special effects. And that notion was reinforced, certainly, with last year's Rampage, which I love that film. It's awful. It's a monster movie. You've got giant apes, you've got giant lizards, you've got giant wolves, and you've got Dwayne Johnson in the, in the middle of all this. You know, of Awesome wolf fly. Yeah. And as soon as I heard that on the trail, I thought, I get it. Yeah. I know what you're doing now. And Statham with the Meg has seemed to tap into that particular mother load of nonsensically bad films that look 
absolutely great. And this is what Hobbs and Shaw is. It follows on from that. I liked Statham in the first Transporter movie. Yeah. But I didn't really warm to him until Fast and Furious 7. Okay. When he's introduced into the series. Now, in Fast and Furious 7, of course, he, he was a villain. Yeah. An out-and-out villain. He killed Han, and we liked Han. And a part of me kind of feels yeah, that... We were jealous that he was getting with Gal Gadot, but, you With know. Fast and Furious, that they kind of should have ended with Seven. I like... Eight is okay. Yeah. But Fast and Furious needs to get back to kind of more... Basics. Yeah. The, the heists could do with being, you know, a bit smaller, because it's getting a bit too far-fetched now. Well, now, it's, it seems to me yeah. that since they, they haven't made a, a Bourne movie yeah. for quite a while, the James Bond movies have become the Bourne movies. Yeah. The Mission Impossible movies have become what the James Bond movies used to be, high-flying sort of super spies yeah. um, getting in and out of really huge kind of scrapes. And the Fast and the Furious movies have become what the Mission Impossible movies used to be, um, you know, where there are black ops yeah. units who the government can easily deny that they ever existed. Yeah. So there's been a step up. Um, the one that comes out worst of all, of course, um, is James Bond, really but does. we've we we have been asked by our good friend Paul Evans yeah. if at one point we could possibly do a Bond special where we talk about the films and our favourites and what we like and what we don't like, and I think that's a good idea. Yeah. So, if you're listening, Paul, we will certainly be working on that one for you. Um, we may even invite you over right here to Geek Central so that you can weigh in with us. But we don't play public cards. Right. Um, so, what would you give Hobbs and Shaw? Out of ten. Easily an eight. Yeah, because like you, it's the most out-and-out out fun I've had in the cinema. Now, that's not to say I haven't enjoyed yeah. stuff like, you know, Endgame. But Endgame and... isn't a fun movie. No, no, it isn't. Um, I've seen films where I've been amazed, i you know, thrilled. Yeah. Um, some of them have made me think. Um, this one, it was just basically a a laugh along, yeah. thrill ride from the opening scene to the last of its three stings. That, that's one of the things where I think that's right, kids. You've got to stay for three stings. Count them, okay? Where I think there's a mistake made when people say like fun movies. Yeah. Endgame is a phenomenal movie, but that doesn't mean that Endgame's a fun. Well, how movie. can it be fun? You know, we, we 
we we suffer losses. Yeah. Well, the point is with Fast and Furious, Fast and Furious, Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Yeah, fun, and I think that at least some movies that come back out now to go back to just being fun. I think that another thing that worked well for this movie was a few weeks ago we were really we got the news that Netflix is financing a movie to co-star Ryan Reynolds and Dwayne Johnson. And we thought, oh, what a fantastic team-up that would make. And, of course, we got an early look at what that might well be in Hobbs and Shaw because Ryan Reynolds turns up. And because we've kept away from any synopsis and anything like that, we didn't know. No. We were equally del- delighted by Helen Mirren's return as Deckard Shaw's mother. And Kevin Hart yeah. wanting to join the team. Um, you know, it, it, it was just a great movie. I think one of the things that actually worked well is if this does take off as a franchise, yeah. keep the more fantastic elements to Hobson Shaw. And not have yeah. the the racing team um, with Vin Diesel trying to outrace nuclear subs in the on the polar ice cap. That that's that's something that I, I still find it's kind of it's too far. You, you're jumping the gun too much with that one. Jumping the shark. Yeah, but I think they did it with um, James Bond. In Dying of the Day, when they had the laser beam satellite um, blasting its uh, beam, which was destroying all in its path, and it was in hot pursuit of Bond, who basically skied off a cliff, deployed a parachute. Yeah. It was like, no human being can do this. We're, we're used to seeing Bond, and that was Pierce Brosnan, one of the better Bonds. Um, argue that. And, you know, it was just ridiculous. Um, didn't like it. No. Pulled me out of the movie. Another one which I didn't like and pulled me out of the movie was the first time that I saw Batman and Robin know how Batman is my greatest hero of all time. Um, it was early on in my first screening of that film, so I didn't know how much I hated it, where Mr. Freeze's rocket blasted them out of uh, and they used their explosive charges to use a uh, blow these yeah. hatches they used to kind of air surf back to earth and I was looking at it and thought that's just ridiculous if I'd seen that in a comic yeah, I would be calling BS yeah <laughs> um, we also saw some trailers when we went to see because I think we've talked enough about that now. Um, we're at the 20 minute mark. Uh, <laughs> Ad Astra. I, I'm still curious. Yeah. 
Now, what we know so far, because I haven't looked for any synopsis, we've got Brad Pitt. He's climbing up this sort of orbital platform on a very high ladder. Yeah. And stuff above him seems to blow up. Don't know what that's about. And there seems to be some kind of car chase with lunar buggies. Yeah. Possibly on the moon. They reminded me of those lunar buggies that um, NASA actually used on the moon in the early to mid 70s. I don't know what that's about, but damn, I want to see it. That, that's the perfect trail, though, because it gives nothing away. All it gave away is, I want to see this. Yes. So we want to see that. And the other one. Okay, I've. I've read online Will Smith, who yeah. used to save the, 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 the entire world every single summer yeah. until it became Dwayne Johnson's job, is going to star in a film called The Gemini Man. And I thought, yes! About time The Gemini Man was yeah. given some respect. And I'm looking at you and you have no, no clue what I'm talking about. No. In the early 70s, there was a series called The Invisible Man. And The Invisible Man was played by David McCallum, Ilya Kuryakin okay. from the Man From Uncle series. And he heard something had gone wrong, he'd become invisible, and was undertaking secret missions every week with his wife. He had a life mask, which he could, you know, take off. Yeah. His... This caused offence in, what was it, about 73, maybe? 72? Um, that whenever he was on a mission and being invisible, he was naked. And then he put his life mask, which didn't really yeah. look much like it, back on, and suddenly David McCallum was on there again. And it was a short-run series, shown here in the UK, um, Sunday afternoons. And it, it came and it went. It wasn't renewed for a second season, right. which I thought was sad. But they came up with uh, a similar concept, they returned to the Invisible Man concept, but instead they had Ben Murphy, who had previously been on, uh, he played Kid Curry on Alias Smith & Jones, a Western series that was loosely based on Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Like Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid for TV. And um, he, he had become invisible due to a failed experiment Everything had gone wrong. And he had a digital watch. Yeah. A digital watch that you could... was a digital watch that you could buy in any store. But they were they were expensive at that point. Because most watches yeah. were wind up in analogue. And he could press it. And it would make him revert to his invisible self for an hour. And if he pressed it again, he would become visible again. 
But of course, all his clothes became invisible as well. Um, don't quite know how that worked, but hey, there you go. Um, that hardly lasted. He was a special agent who, if, if he was invisible for more than an hour, if yeah. I recall, he would be invisible forever. So you had the time element. You know, it's, oh no, he's been invisible for 59 minutes and 40 seconds. He only has 20 seconds left. We'll never see him again. So I thought when when they announced the Gemini yeah. Man trailer, I thought, wow, Will Smith will become invisible and he'll have a fancy watch. Maybe it'll be like one of these, you know, sort of Fitbits yeah. that makes him invisible or whatever. But no. No. It's got nothing to do with the TV series whatsoever. And I was a little bit disappointed by that, but also a little bit intrigued because what I gathered from the trailer was that Will Smith plays some kind of secret agent or something. Yeah. And the person that they sent to kill him is a clone of his younger self. See, I loved the looks of Gemini Man from when I first heard about well, it. So do I now, but, but where's his... Uh, come on, where's his but watch? The, the thing is, if it didn't do that well, yeah, why would they go back to it? What, the Gemini Man? Yeah. With a watch. Well, we keep hearing... That they're going to make a Firefly TV series, and that didn't do well. That didn't last half a season. Well, they got a movie, and that was just yeah, just to finish everything yeah. off. What's left to say? Exactly. Where are you going with this? Well, you saying the Gem- Gemini Man being invisible? Yeah, but they've remade so many TV series yeah. that were big in the sixties and big in the seventies. Keep revisiting. There's going to be a new Charlie's Angels. Okay. They did a couple of Charlie's Angels movies, uh, what, about 15, 17 years ago? Yeah. And before that, it was a TV series. You know, we've had um, My Favourite Martian, the movie. We've had Bewitched, the movie. Um, What else? Starsky and Hutch, the movie. We've had Miami Vice, the movie. They've had movies of two of them, actually. The Equalizer. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, I thought maybe Gemini Man's time has come. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's not much. Not really. It's just other than right now, you've never mentioned the Gemini Man. That's because I don't even think it's available on DVD. And it hasn't been shown anywhere for years. If I could get The Invisible Man with David McCallum and Melinda Fee, I I, I think I'd like to see that again. But um, there we go. Of course, just before we set up our microphone and got recording... We watched 
Adam's Family trailer. This is the new animation that's coming out in, now is it September or October? October 25th. October 25th, okay. So, in time for Halloween? Yeah. I think it is the big Halloween movie this year. Okay. Um, I like the look of it. I like the fact that the animation, the, the, the drawings, well, they're not really drawings, but the, the Adams Family themselves look very much like they did in the Charles Adams yeah. cartoons that ran in the New Yorker. And also the fact that it seems to acknowledge its roots in TV Yeah. It did have a very strong TV series by Dillard. Yeah. I like. I find it kind of comical, though, that there are complaints about the animation online, how it's not faithful to the original, despite the fact that it's <sighs> exactly like the original concepts and quality did. See, every, everybody thinks that everything started with that TV series. Yeah. And they were a series of satirical cartoons that ran for years in the New York See, a, another live-action version of the mm-hmm. Adams Family will not work because it's either going to be compared to the TV series or the movies that came out. So it's so it's with a, Raul Julia and Angelica Houston and Lloyd. Either way, live action, it'd be a disadvantage because you'd just be getting compared to others. So the best way to do it is animated. Yeah. But the, you know, the, the problem, of course, and it's not a problem. It's not a problem at all. Um, well, I suppose it, it is a problem that they will face. Yeah. Is that the producers of the TV series, even though it only lasted a couple of years, Got it so right. Yeah. Right, quick question, okay? Two horror comedy series out between 1964 and 1966. The Adams Family, The Munsters, your favourite. Go. Munsters. Really? Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Why? There's something about Herman Munster. Not Lily. And Fred Gwynn immortalised. I don't, the idea of having, you know, the universal monsters in a house and having, like, Uncle Gil. In a domestic yeah. comedy. Yeah. And Pretty much like Leave It to Beaver. There's one where I suppose they go to Death Valley. Oh, to relive their honeymoon? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. And you've got Herman playing she to himself because apparently he's a ghost with a cowboy hat. And it's something that is so stupid and dumb it shouldn't be funny but you in stitches every time it's here some of the um, I mean, the one... highlights of the series for me were Herman's inspirational talks with Eddie yeah. where he'd give a fatherly speech which Eddie would completely misinterpret yeah uh, Eddie, of course, being the son. Um, but what I found really interesting is that 
what Herman says is actually being quoted on Facebook memes um, as examples of really good parenting and parenting done properly and inspirational. Yeah. And, of course, it doesn't really work if you let the scene carry on as you do, you know, what Eddie makes of it all and how he goes on exactly the wrong path, leaving Herman flustered. But um, I like the Munsters. My favourite character, much as I love uh, Fred Gwynn as Herman, but I always went more for Al Lewis. And Dracula. Yeah. The fact that you could have Count Dracula, the scourge of Transylvania, you know, Transylvanian nobility, played by somebody who was so obviously yeah. Bronx Jewish with the accent. It, it just floored me every time, and it worked beautifully. Because there's this, there's one episode as well when Grandpa and Herman, yeah, you know, they argued over something yet again, and they decide that they are splitting the house between them. Of course, yes. And they literally just paint a line through the house. They did something similar to that on um, the UK comedy Step. And most people think that's that's the high point of, of humour, but I, I thought the Munsters did it better. But I, it's only very recently I've seen the Adams family in its entirety. Yeah. And I was actually quite surprised by how dark that series is. See, the same question for me, Adams family, Munsters. I tend to go for the Adams family. Because they they are fish out of water. They, pl- they plainly don't belong where they are. Um, but they are a strong, bonded yeah. family. And they're more kind of anarchic and homicidal. Yeah. Um, but they don't see, you know, what what they're doing is wrong. You've got a, um, the difference between the two. Two is I think the Munsters is broader comedy, yeah. And the Adams family is a little bit more subtle. Um, but in order to really highlight the weirdness of the Adams family, you've got to play them against a member of the public. You've got to bring somebody normal into their household. Every week. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Otherwise, it just doesn't work. Uh, John Astin's playing of Gomez as a wild eyed, oversexed is just brilliant. And then you've, you've got, um, Carolyn Jones as basically a nymphomaniac. Murderess. Yeah. You know, she carries poison in her ring. <laughs> Uncle Fester. You know, Jackie Coogan. Yeah. It, it just works so well. And even even Ted Cassidy as, as Lurch, who does 
nothing but grumble yeah. and maybe utter monosyllables. It, the scenes where Little Wednesday Adams is trying to teach him how to dance. Um, it's it's just far far. It's it's got more of an appeal to me. It's it's funnier because in a way it's more subtle. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, they've they tried to remake the monsters. Oh. Many times, never works. You can't do it. You just can't do it. See, the uh, they had a, a series in the eighties called The Monsters Day, and it just never worked because you had people trying to imitate what Fred Gwynn and Al Lewis did as Herman and Grandpa, but they could never recapture the magic of those. Those performances. What I like, though, especially with Herman, is he means so well in oh, everything God, yeah, he does. Yeah. He, he is the the fifties, early sixties sitcom dad. You know, so father knows best. Leave it to be. It's all great that. because you know you'll say that he'll handle it or something. Yeah, and it's like you know, okay, you've made your point. Stop. Stop. Oh. You Literally just blown it off because you know it's it's Lily who really yeah. runs the house. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay. We had a chat. Yes. Earlier on this week, which was kind of fueled by things that are going on yeah. in the world. Uh, following another um, shooting incident or a couple of shooting yeah. incidents in America. Fingers have been pointed at the video game industry as basically being fault. Again. Again. Now, this is something that I've seen happen time and time and time again. Whenever something really bad happens, something in pop culture is blamed. I've seen it happen to... Video, horror movies, hell, rock music, yeah. even comic books. Now, of course, it's the turn of video games. So, as an avid, if not particularly good, gamer, what would your reaction be to this? To be honest, with how games come out today, in particular... I don't think that games should be blamed at all. Okay, why not? Because the people either doing the shooting or whatever the, whatever they do, yeah, they are responsible for their own actions, not Absolutely. games, not comics, yeah. not movies. And a, a lot of games that come out with violence in particular... Like you had Red Dead Redemption 2 come out last year. And that's the Western one. That's the Western one. Yeah. The, type, the main character that you play as, yeah. you don't actually... You kind of... And you get the choice of what you do. You can either go all out and, you know, murder everyone. Yeah. Which there are consequences. 
or you can be the good guy. So whatever, it's up to you what you do. It's not the game, it's what you decide. Okay. So they're equal and, you know, reactions. Um, There's another another one um, that came out, I think a couple of weeks ago. Okay. Uh, called Rage 2. Rage, when it came back, came out about seven years ago. Pretty much imagine Mad Max on a dystopian Earth-like planet with mutants and all the rest of it. That has over-the-top violence that is just... It's so ludicrous that it's hilarious. Because it's, it's that over-the-top. But it's nothing that you could imitate. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. One of the things that we do during the summer... Is you and I go on what is now probably quite an old video game yeah. called Split Second. And throughout the month of August, we're, we're in it right now, yeah. as a matter of fact. We run a series of races. We even went out and bought between us yeah. a trophy from Amazon. Engraved. Uh, and we had it engraved, and the winner of our monthly, month-long contest gets yeah. to keep this for the year. And it's the, the much sought-after Armageddon yeah. trophy. So we play Split Second, we've always got the same cars, and we, we run these races, and we have a lot of fun. Yeah. Now, never, ever have I been tempted, or has it even crossed my mind, yeah. after playing a split-second race with you, to get into my real car yeah. and drive like that on a road? You know, and then you know, as you're driving along, right then, I'll trigger a plane. It, it, it's, it's, or, or yeah. okay, yeah, you can trigger all sorts yeah. of disasters and dynamite and helicopters to drop things on yeah. your opponents. Okay, that's the far-fetched part of it. But I, I often win a race by clipping your yeah. back bumper with my front bumper right, just at the right angle to cause you to spin. Yeah. I don't do that in real life. No. Nobody. That's... So the supposition, and I'm just kind of extrapolating here, that because you can shoot people in a game, yeah. makes you want to go out and shoot them in real life is nonsense. I Games are pretty strongly regulated yes. in terms yeah. of who can buy them. Yeah, they're, okay. they're actually stricter now than they have ever been before. In America, which has the highest rate of gun crimes on the planet, yeah, those games are under the same kind of restriction. Who can buy them? Who can play them? Okay. Okay. There isn't even a background check on a firearm. Being, you know, owning a video game console, owning yeah. your Xbox or your PlayStation does not make you more liable to go on a shooting spree. No. 
owning a gun does. Another thing that I think should be pointed out, yeah. okay, it is a franchise I'm not really that fussed with. Yeah. The about two years ago you had Call of Duty World War Two come out. Okay. And that was a World War Two recreation, I think. Yes. It? And All I right. believe I, th- I believe the first level I've never played it, so I could be wrong. Was the DD landings? Yeah. So I think, in some ways, you know, buying games like that, people are actually also having kind of a history lesson because they don't read anymore. This is true. This is very, very true. So, you know, in some ways, is actually another form of getting people to actually learn something new. It's a form of getting people to learn something new because I'm I would very much back video games that not only entertain, educate as well. Yeah. Because you tend to learn better while you're being entertained. Yeah. Um but Laying the blame for the actions of individuals on whatever kind of media is trendy at the time. See, a while back, I'm talking about the 1980s, late 80s, um, they introduced the Video Recordings Act. There were no video games at yeah. that we had no internet um, and they decided that th- there was a tragic no this was the 90s I do apologise tragic case of Jamie Bulger yeah the small child who was about your age you you, you he was about two you, you were about one yeah. when this happened and he was led away from um, a shopping centre in, you know, the outskirts of Liverpool, Birkenhead, by two older boys who tortured and murdered him. Yeah. And people were asking, as people will, what made these boys do this? Everybody wants an answer. Yeah. Okay. And. <clears throat> I think it was a Daily Mirror reporter that went around because it was a time of corner shops having, you know, videotape. And they found that a corner shop had the movie Child's Play 3. I think it was 3. And on the box, I believe, was a picture of a little boy holding Chucky's hand. Okay. And it was an eerie echo of the CCTV footage of Amy Bolger yeah. being approached by and led away by an older boy. Okay? Instantly, that film became a Yeah. And it was banned. Um, politicians introduced the Graham Bright uh, Video Recordings Act, which 
gave us stronger censorship on horror and uh, on in video and films and what could be seen and what could not be seen than we had ever yeah. had before. And it was Okay. I was and still am a a reader of Fangoria magazine, yeah. the American horror movie magazine. I had it on regular order in a newsagent in town. It was sold to me under because yeah. Fangoria, which is a, a a magazine about the latest horror movies and how the makeup and effects people, Greg Nicotero, did their work, yeah. was on the obscene publications list. Um, and that shop could be raided yeah. by the police had they known that they were yeah. selling me Fangoria. Wow. Can you imagine it? The irony of this is that there was no record nor suggestion that the parents of the kids who abducted that small child had ever rented that movie. There was no suggestion that either one of the old children had ever seen that film. That's like the case. But it was a leap yeah. of, of um, well, a leap of credibility, I suppose. Like, this looks like what happened. This must yeah. be it. It's like and the public swallowed it because they were so eager to get an explanation. They wanted to rationalise it. Now, I'm going to veer away from my usual rule here. Yeah. Okay? Okay. And I'm going to say, for the record, yeah. it's not videotapes or DVDs or video games or comic books yeah. like, you know, EC Comics in the 50s. Or rock music. Remember Alice Cooper yeah. being deported from the country in the early 70s? They don't cause any of this. Yeah. It all boils down to some people yeah. just being born assholes. Yeah. That's all it is. Because you've also had a case before where someone who murdered someone said that Michael Myers told them to do it. That's exactly right. he like, doesn't even talk. He, he went on a shooting spree, yeah. and when he was cornered by the police, he said, I watched Halloween, the voice of Michael Myers told me to do it. I read it in the paper. I, I thought, there were only two Halloween movies yeah. at that point. And I thought, Michael Myers never utters a word. Even as a child, he never utters a word. I'd love to know what it sounds like. Oh, I, I, no, no, you don't want to know yeah. what Michael Myers sounds like. What did he got a lisp or something? Oh, he'd be adorable. Or a stutter. Ah, You know. So, I think that's the, the, the note that we want to make yeah. here, is people consume mass media, and they do these things vicariously. Yeah. They live out their, their kind of frustrations yeah. 
and nobody gets harmed. I remember you and I went to Gore Zone's Weekend of Horror. We did two of them. Yeah. We did two out of the three that they did uh, back in the day when I wrote for Gore Zone magazine. And they were in London. They were tremendous weekends. And I was there in my capacity as head writer. Yeah. And we saw all manner of people coming in. We saw people in leather, studs, body piercings, shaved heads, yeah. tattoos. Um, yeah, we, all manner of people. Some of them seemed very, very dangerous. Yeah. Some of them you think, oh my God, I would do not want to be in a dark room with with this crowd. Yeah. They 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 went in. They watched. Horror movies, yeah. some of them were unrated, but it was a private cinema, so everything was culture, everything was okay and legal. And they would then come out, and lo and behold, behold of course, a bar. Yeah. And you would think that these people, and you know, some of them were bikers, some of them were punks, all sorts of yeah. things. Every kind of street gang you could a subculture. All the fringe people were there. They were, without exception, the most polite, pleasant, intelligent, conversational people you could ever hope to meet. They might look antisocial, yeah, but they really weren't. They they went in. They got all their aggression and all their frustrations out by watching a film. And they came out and it was like, and calm. Yeah. And it worked for them. You may remember in the first one that we attended, there was one criminal incident. Yeah. And what that was, kids, was... Two people came into the cinema. It was the Odeon in Covent Garden, London, and isolated one of our customers, yeah. one of our audience members, and took him to a bank where they forced him to take money out and give it to them. Okay? Okay. Do you know why, I mean, they, they didn't sort of threaten him until he had left the yeah. premises. They came into the foyer, they selected their target, and asked him to accompany them, and he did. And after that, yeah. they got a bit more forceful. Do you know why the guy went with them in the first place? Why? They were wearing suits. He thought it was something official. Yeah. They were wearing suits. Yeah. This guy was wearing, you know, denim, leather, t-shirt, studs, nose piercing, whatever. These two, these two guys wearing suits and ties came in and said, "Would you come with us, sir?" Yeah. And it's all to do with people's um, perceptions. It is. It is because one of the ones that has, and we spoke about the other night, that really. 
bugs the hell out of me. Yeah. It, it just does. Okay. It's people's perception of the Saw franchise. All right. Saw is a horror movie. Okay. It has death traps in it. Okay. It's graphic. It's bloody. It's a really good horror movie. Yeah. Ah. But is it? It's not. Now then. You raise an interesting question, yeah. which I had down here to discuss tonight yeah. as our main topic. We have actually run out of time because I think this one's going to run a little bit. Yeah. So we're almost at the hour mark. So how about we agree that next week yeah. we go on to discuss how do you define a horror movie? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So next week we'll be taking a look at Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah. Probably a look at some of Tarantino's other movies that we like. And we will try, and probably spectacularly fail, to define what makes a horror movie. Yeah. Right. It's a date. So until next time, this is me, Robin Pierce, And me, Stephen Pierce, Begging you, begging you to stay low, stay sharp, and stay safe. Good night.